universities, go figure, are getting more and more woke, and now we have the staffing data to prove it. Not anything surprising, but really interesting story coming out of the Federalist. Also, the Texas legislators that bounced and didn't vote on the thoroughly reasonable voter suppression laws got grilled by Congress the other day, and we've got a great clip to show you all of that. Thanks for tuning in. This is The Joe Bob Show, and it starts right about now. In two, one. Here we go! from a dingy bunker completely cut off from the outside world except for you fine folks this is the joe bob show my name is joe bob today is august 4th 2021 i said this yesterday how did it get to be august 4th already seems like the turn of the year just happened just so you remember 2021 was the year of new beginnings covid was going to be gone Uh, everything was going to be back to normal in 2021 nope uh, the Biden administration <laughs> kind of thwarted that. Uh, so before we get into our main stories of the day, we want to run through the headlines. Really interesting last couple of days. First of which is good old Andy Cuomo, governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, yesterday, his AG came out and basically said that uh, he's a pervo. Nobody's surprised there. Nothing really new other than a confirmation of things that we already heard a couple months ago when Andy Cuomo was getting hit with all this sort of stuff. The Wall Street Journal says Andrew Cuomo faces impeachment call as Biden urges him to quit after investigation finds the New York governor harassed multiple women. State Democrats vow to speed up the impeachment probe. So, again, this is just confirming information that pretty much everybody was already aware of. Andy Cuomo, who is getting impeached by his own party's state legislature, that party said they're going to speed it up. And the Democratic president, President Joe Biden, agreed. He said, dude, you you got to resign, man. Uh, Andrew Cuomo put out a half-hearted, lackluster denial of the AG's findings. Uh, But here's the thing. This is something that is bound to happen in a society in which political families reign for decades. Now, don't forget, Andy Cuomo's dad was also the governor of New York. Then Andrew Cuomo was the governor of New York. His brother, Chris Cuomo, has a big show on CNN, one of their biggest draws. The Cuomo family is a political family that can't be messed with and has had power for so long that nobody up until recently, has been willing to come out and call them for what they really are. And that's obviously being done right now. But the problem is a big overarching issue that the Cuomo family is a political power house that has had rule over New York and everybody's been scared to come out and say what they really are. So this guy's been doing this for decades. This is not anything new. Um, But again, he's denying it. Bunch of people say, no, you're wrong. Uh, But look, this is not the system that we set up. We didn't set up a system where political families should be able to govern with complete dominion and nobody should be able to be, nobody should be afraid to call these people out, but that's the system that we've set up. The Cuomo family has been in power for decades uh, and it's all coming to a head right about now. We'll see what he does. The Democrat president, again, telling a governor to resign in his own party, Pretty big deal. His own party in the state legislature is legislature is 
speeding up the impeachment process. Pretty big deal. Uh, but again, that's uh, the governor of New York. I don't care about the governor of New York. Most of you probably don't because uh, it's New York. You don't live there. Um, <laughs> if you listen to the show, you probably don't live in New York. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's interesting just from a, a national standpoint on, you know, how Dems tend to get away with things. And we'll see if he survives. I would bet that maybe he does because he is a Democrat and the media fawns over him. Uh, other news, Democrat primary in Ohio, Axios reporting, Ohio's Nina Turner was upset uh, in the Ohio Democratic primary for an open congressional seat, but, uh, says Axios, this flashes warning signs for the left in 2022. If you're not following this, again, you might not care, uh, but it is interesting to see the perspective of Democrats overall, even in just a sample size in Ohio. All of the stars came out to support Nina Turner. You've got your Bernie Sanders coming out. You got James Clyborne coming out. You've got AOC that all came out to stump for Nina Turner. And she lost to a county council member, Chantel Brown, who was backed by the Biden administration and the DNC elite. But here's what's interesting about this primary race. And maybe it's indicative of things going on around the country. Maybe it's not. But the polling had Turner way ahead. She had all of the media on her side, all of the big players, again, like your AOC, your Bernies, your Clyburns, uh, and way more money. So she was ahead in the polls. She had all the star power. She had all the media and had way more money than Brown. But at the end of the day, yesterday, ended up losing 45% to 50% of the vote, which Axios is saying is a telltale sign of where Democrats are, uh, the majority of Democrats are in those types of elections. And we'll see in 2022, uh, I, I think pretty much everyone assumes the Democrats are going to lose the House, um, maybe even lose the Senate, or at least Republicans will gain seats in the Senate to uneven that 50-50 tie out. Um, basically what Axios is saying is, is Democrats gotta be careful. Uh, there's some significant evidence, not only in this race, but in the New York mayoral race, um, saying that your way lefties is not where the heart of the Democratic Party is. There are still sane Democrats out there, and they are not voting for people like Nina Turner or your socialist mayoral candidates in New York. Uh, next headline, Olympic ratings are way down. I don't care uh, at all. <laughs> I just, and it's unfortunate. I used to love the Olympics. The Olympics used to be, I, I would watch pretty much every second that I could back when I was a kid. And I think a lot of us did, but the ratings are way down. People just don't care about it. And there are some people that suggest maybe it's all the wokeness going on, not only in the Olympics, but in all the advertising, Nike's put out some really ridiculous ads, along with several other companies that have basically bent the knee to the left uh, and said, we are super woke, and here's how we're going to show you via our advertisements in the Olympics. So maybe not a surprise to uh, the ratings going down. The CDC yesterday reinstituted their eviction moratorium. Uh, the argument from your AOCs were, this is going to put... 11 million people at risk of losing their home. Uh, if you're not aware, the CDC eviction moratorium ended over the weekend, and yesterday the CDC reinstated that eviction moratorium under pressure from your AOCs, your Bernie crowds, your super left. Couple things here. First of all, not all landlords are rich. I don't understand where there's this big uh, idea that landlords are just 
swimming in money all the time. That's it's not a thing. I, I'm a landlord. I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination. I wish I were. I wish AOC, Bernie. I wish you guys were right. I wish all landlords were just swimming in cash because that would include me. Fortunately, my tenants have all been paying uh, throughout because the CDC eviction moratorium doesn't mean that you don't have to pay rent. You just backdate your rent. So what's really happening is this eviction moratorium is going to screw tenants in the long term because they're going to have to come up with the money at some point. And either they're going to get hit with a huge lump sum to cover the rent that they haven't been paying for almost a year and a half now, or they're going to not pay, and then their credit score is going to take a massive hit, which is going to affect their future buying purchase. They, if they want to participate in the ownership market, that's going to be way more difficult because their credit score is going to tank because they haven't been paying. And the CDC mandated moratorium doesn't eliminate your rent. It just postpones it. It's not fair to one, the landlords or the tenants. Tenants are going to get screwed the most in the long term. But who am I to say this? But your AOCs uh, put pressure, enough pressure on the CDC to issue a renewal of the eviction moratorium to because they were saying things like people, there are 11 million people at risk of losing their home. Hey, newsflash, there are 9 million jobs available right now. Right now, as we speak, 9 million jobs available across the country that nobody is taking in part because the federal government is subsidizing unemployment. They're giving people money to stay home. So those 9 million jobs are going unfilled. And then they have the audacity to say, well, 11 million people might risk losing their home. Yeah, about the same number of jobs are available. So go grab a job. Not that difficult. But the most hilarious thing to me is how is this coming from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, is not the Center for Disease and Rent Control. I don't understand how the CDC has the right, has the ability to put a moratorium on evictions. What, what's next? Is the FAA going to regulate water storage? Is the FCC, the communications department going to put a moratorium on high school sports is hud the housing and urban development going to start recommending medicine where do you draw the line how does the cdc have it any jurisdiction over housing now look i understand that there's a lot of people that will make the argument of you know COVID was really difficult and we struggled a lot but we're past all of that maybe maybe you can make an argument that there should have been a moratorium for three to six months, but we're a year and a half into this. There are millions of unfilled jobs across the country, yet your AOCs and your Bernie crowds are still continuing to push the idea that we need an eviction moratorium. Last headline of the day, the NIH director, Francis Collins, said this, and this is quite hilarious. We'll get into it. Let me show you this clip. They avoid being in places where they might get infected, which means Sorry, we'll start avoid being in places where they might get infected, which means recommendations of mask wearing in schools and that at home, uh, parents <laughs> of unvaccinated kids should be thoughtful about this and the they might let get me, infected. Let me replay means, this again. And that at home, uh, parents at home, mask recommendations. Let me, let me, let me get one more time of mask wearing in schools and that at home, uh, parents of unvaccinated <laughs> So this guy's saying that parents of unvaccinated children, which is all children because the vaccines, whether or not you agree with the vaccines, they're not recommended for people under the age of 12. So 
all kids are unvaccinated. He's saying that parents, even if you're vaccinated, you got you should probably wear a mask at home to protect your unvaccinated children. Completely ignoring the fact that kids don't spread the disease. They generally don't. More kids have died from the flu than COVID over the last 18 months. So that's not an issue that you have to worry about. But he's saying that if your kids are unvaccinated, you probably should wear a mask around them too at home. How many people do you think are wearing a mask in their own home with their own family? My guess is literally zero. And if you are, if a neighbor calls Child Protective Services on you, I don't know. That maybe seems reasonable because wearing a mask in your own home, regardless of what you think about the whole COVID things, it means you probably don't have the ability to reason with sound logic or even ridiculous reasoning. Uh, and maybe, yeah, maybe your kids are unsafe, not necessarily from the virus, but from you. Uh, the idea that people would wear their masks inside their own home with their own family is ridiculous. Yet the NIH uh, director, Francis Collins, let me say one more time. Of mask wearing in schools and that at home, uh, parents of unvaccinated kids should be thoughtful about this. Parents with unvaccinated children, which is all children, even if you're vaccinated, you should consider wearing a mask at home, says Francis Collins, the NIH director. That does it for our headlines. Uh, and this, okay, there's this really, really interesting story out of the Federalist that we're going to get into. It's all about diversity and inclusion in our woke universities, our progressive universities, uh, and all of the money that they're spending on staff in this diversity and inclusion landscape. But before we get to that, I have to tell you about capitalist propaganda. I'm wearing my favorite capitalist propaganda t-shirt right now. You're welcome, love capitalism. Look, apparently we have to fight for the idea of capitalism. It's the best system of governing any body of people, and it's proven over and over and over again. Socialism never works. Communism never works. Capitalism is the way to go, but unfortunately, we have to defend it. So the best way to tell your socialist friends that their ideas totally suck is by going to Capitalist Propaganda and getting your Capitalist Propaganda gear. Help us spread Capitalist Propaganda. It's the only way to stop the empire. You've got some really cool designs. This is the one I'm wearing today. You're welcome. Love capitalism. This is probably my other favorite one. Go ahead. Use your iPhone to tweet about how much you hate me, uh, says capitalism. Uh, again, really cool designs. Capitalism rocks. Uh, head over to capitalistpropaganda.us. Link should be in the show notes. Go to capitalist propaganda, tell your friends that their socialist ideas totally suck with the latest capitalist propaganda gear. Without further ado, the most one of the most interesting stories, we all are aware that colleges are super woke. But the Federalist had a really interesting article uh, by JP, JP is his middle initial, Green, and James P, James D. Paul. Uh, why is the article titled, Why is Your College Tuition So Expensive? It's funding piles of diversity bureaucrats. Higher education today has a new central concern, promoting diversity and equity and inclusion. Universities now devote a tremendous amount of money and large numbers of administrative and staff positions to programming services related to DEI, which again is diversity 
equity and inclusion. Now, before we go on, uh, diversity, I guess, is a good thing in some senses. It is not our strength. Diversity is a good component, but diversity is not our strength. Diversity is not our strongest strength. It's unity. Diversity of ideas and opinions are good because it helps us move in the direction that we're all going. But if we don't have unity in bettering the country, we are completely nothing. So no, diversity is not our greatest strength. Equity, the next term in DEI, not a good word at all. Equity is communism. Equity is socialism. Don't get it confused with equality because equality of outcome is a noble thing to go after. Uh, equity is something that is going to benefit everybody regardless of where they fall on the totem pole. Wh whatever they try, equity says that people should all end up equal. This is not a good thing. Equity is not a good thing. Diversity, not our greatest strength. Equity, not a good thing at all. So uh, the article continues. 65 major universities representing one-sixth of all four-year institutions in the United States are all the universities that this study followed. The number of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, dedicated staff dramatically outweighs other programs serving higher education goals. For example, the typical university devotes 4.2 times as many staff to promoting DEI initiatives than they do helping disabled students get reasonable accommodations. Let me say that again. Universities have 4.2 times as many staff helping with diversity, equity, inclusion than they have helping disabled students get reasonable accommodations. And the disabled students' reasonable accommodations are required by law, yet 4.2 times more diversity, equity, and inclusion staff. On average, DEA, DEI staff outnumbers history professors by 40%. Overall, there were 3.4 people working to promote DEI for every 100 tenured or tenure track faculty members. That is insane. The amount that these colleges are pushing diversity is absolutely ridiculous. University of Michigan, for example, 163 people have formal responsibilities for providing DEI programming and services. The University of North Carolina Chapel Hill has more than 13 times as many people devoted to promoting DEI as providing services for students with disabilities. Chapel Hill, North Carolina, the university there says, not, not says, has 13 times more staff dedicated to diversity, equity, and inclusion than they have to making sure that students with disabilities get the proper care that they need. Georgia Tech has 3.2 times as many DEI staff as it does history professors. The University of Virginia boasts 6.5 DEI staff to every 100 professors. Students or schools are going nuts over this diversity, inclusion, equity nonsense, and they're spending outrageous amounts of money to get there. The study also said that this is this is how the Federalists summed up their uh, 
conclusion, they wrapped up their findings. Universities, especially those who are publicly funded, should be welcoming all students. It's, it's, it's an admirable that inclusion is a priority for so many institutions of higher education, but their work suggests that large DEI bureaucracies fail to make a positive contribution to the campus climate. There's a whole other part of this, I'm not really gonna get into it, that says that they did polling on whether or not students of color, white students, uh, race, minority, whatever it is, their idea of acceptance on the university cam campus never really changed. It all really stayed the same, regardless of if the school spent a ton of money on DEI or spent almost nothing. <laughs> it stayed relatively the same. So they're not doing any of the work that they should be doing. Instead, DEI personnel may be better understood as a signal of adherence to ideological, political, and activist goals. Employing, employing dozens of DEI professionals appears to work better as a jobs program subsidizing political activism than a means of improving the campus climate. In other words, really, it's just political activism. The, the universities are subsidizing political activism to teach your kids at the college level that uh, diversity, equity, inclusion is the most important thing. And if you're not on board with the woke university's ideology, ideological systems, you're the problem. High DEI staffing levels suggest that these programs may, uh, like many other administrations in the, in the universities, may be bloated relative to their academic pursuits. It's fair to wonder whether reducing administrative bloats and reducing costs may do more to promote the college's access to inclusion than the actual DEI officers. In other words, if they cut the entire DEI program, they cut all of the unnecessary diversity, equity, and inclusion staff, it's possible that you may actually get more diversity, equity, and inclusion because you could bring some prices down. Look, none of these people, these people get paid a ton of money. Like the, these people aren't making $30,000 a year. No, the 163 people that work on the University of Michigan campus as DEI staff members aren't making pennies on the dollar. Those guys are making three figures Nah, probably not higher than three figures, but the high three figures, uh, sorry, six figures um, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, these people are making a ton of money to indoctrinate college students and it's being paid for by the university. Uh, the study also said, and this is uh, not entirely indicative of all this, but they were very conservative on how they counted diversity, equity, and inclusion staff members. Uh, they only used positions formally responsible with promoting DEI. They excluded faculty and staff in academic departments like African-American studies, gender studies, uh, even though they clearly promoted diversity, equity, and inclusion goals. So if you lump in all of the gender studies or African-American uh, gender studies, uh, you would get a higher number of DEI staff in these colleges. So colleges and universities are spending a ton of money, a ton of money in order to promote diversity, equity, inclusion at the cost of your tuition dollars, your kids' tuition dollars, so that they can subsidize political activism on college campuses. Ridiculous thing, and this is this is maybe why there are so many of these college students 
that are barking these insane ideas uh, that uh, diversity is our, our number one strength. Everyone should be equal all the time, which is a socialist idea. They promote these crazy voting rights rules like you see in Texas. Uh, that's how all of these insane collegiate ideas come out there. Speaking of the voting laws in Texas, we have a great clip coming up for you from a sitting congressperson. Now, uh, to set this story up, if you don't remember, several weeks ago, Texas was going to pass a thoroughly reasonable election reform bill that was essentially all it was going to do was take out your big COVID changes. Uh, Everything in the Texas voting law, just like the Georgia's voting law, just like Florida's Georgia voting law, was thoroughly reasonable. Everything in those laws were thoroughly reasonable, yet Democrats and the media threw a massive fit. Joe Biden called it the new Jim Crow or Jim Crow on steroids. So, yeah, uh, changing voting hours way worse than beating black people in the street for the sin of voting, which was Jim Crow. Uh, so that came from the president. Um but if you don't remember, all of those Texas Democrats completely fled the state. They flew on a private jet to Washington, D.C. to avoid voting on the thoroughly reasonable Texas legislature. Now, they sat in, a couple of them sat in front of Congress uh, for some questioning. Uh, we have a great clip of that. But before we get to that, I have to tell you about capitalist propaganda. Uh, the best way to tell your friends that their socialist ideas suck, get the gear that tells your friends that socialist ideas suck and promotes capitalism because apparently we have to do that now. This is the one that I'm wearing right now. I probably made a mistake because I'm getting a little sweaty and you can kind of see it through uh, the shirt because it's lightly colored. But capitalist propaganda is the best way to tell your socialist friends that their ideas totally suck and promote the idea of capitalism because apparently we have to do that. Uh, back to the Texas legislature. Uh, this was awesome. This is Nancy... Uh, Mace, a congresswoman from South Carolina, questioning one of the Texas legislatures, legislators that bounced and uh, decided to leave the state rather than vote on the thoroughly reasonable Texas voting bill. Here's Congresswoman Nancy Mace. Coming from South Carolina, we've got we've got voter ID, um, and uh, I'm assuming Texas is the same way. Do y'all do y'all need IDs to buy alcohol? when you're purchasing at the store? Yes, if, uh, to be sure that you are capable of doing that. Right, do you need an ID in Texas to buy cigarettes? You can't buy them unless you're tw at least 21. But do you have to show an ID to buy cigarettes? Um, do you need an ID when you're getting a job and trying to get on payroll in Texas? Yes. Do you need an ID to uh, go to the pharmacy and get a prescription in Texas? It depends on the description. But do you need an ID for some prescriptions yes, in Texas? Do. Yes. Um, do you need an ID to uh, get Social Security services in Texas? You do. Do you need an ID uh, to rent an apartment in Texas? Yes. Do you need an ID if you're going to buy a house uh, and finance it via a mortgage in Texas? Yes. Um, do you need an ID in Texas if you're going to board an aircraft and fly commercial? Yes. Did you fly commercial or fly a private jet on the way to D.C.? A chartered plane. Do you have to show an ID when you fly in a private charter jet? Yes. So we're going to pause this really quick because I want to lay a couple things in. Uh, 
From a political standpoint, for those of you who don't know, I'm a political consultant by trade. Uh, we run political races up and down the state. Uh, most notably, if you're in California, we ran Travis Allen for governor against Gavin uh, and are involved heavily in the political side. Now, what comes with that is coaching politicians what to say in these types of hearings in front of the press and the media. For some reason, nobody told this Texas legislator, uh, I believe, what is her name, Shanisa Brown or something, uh, I'm sorry, I probably should have had it pulled up, uh, but nobody told her, you can't let a congressperson question you like this. You, you, gotta, you gotta deflect. And look, I don't agree with this woman uh, who's being questioned. I'm on Congresswoman Nancy Mace's side. But just from a political sport, you can't let somebody continue to berate you constantly uh, when you're being questioned by Congress. Let's let's keep going. I wouldn't know. I've never I've never flown on one. Um, so, did you did you need an ID to get in the building here today? Yes. Um, <laughs> do you need an ID in Texas to open a bank account? Yeah. To yeah, to cash your check if you're working. Do you know, Representative Thompson, um, how many, what percentage Shanisa of Thompson, in Texas, black and brown African Americans are registered to vote? Okay, really quick. So before we get, she gets into this, now she starts getting into some really interesting statistics about minorities voting, minority registration, and actual problems in voting rules, none of which pertain to the voting law in Texas. Again, the Texas voting law, thoroughly reasonable. It was a political stunt, a TV show that the Texas legislatures bounced and just went to D.C., where they still are uh, in order to avoid voting on the Texas legislator or the le Texas legislation, uh, which again, thoroughly reasonable way of uh, restructuring after the COVID craziness. Uh, <laughs> check this out from Congresswoman Nancy Mace. Well, a huge percentage. Seventy uh, percent. Do you yeah. know what percentage of African Americans, Black and Brown Texans, uh, have voted um, on average or in the last election? About sixty-four percent. Correct. Uh, do you know how many uh, whites are registered to vote in Texas? Far more than African-Americans. 72%. Nope. You have 70% uh, of blacks in Texas who are registered to vote. You have 72% of whites in Texas who are registered to vote. Do you know the percentage of whites who turned out to vote in recent elections? I want to say over 50-some percent. Uh, 65%. This woman has no idea what she's talking about, and the congresswoman is letting her have it. Uh, <laughs> this is this is just, and again, uh, here, here's, here was an interesting comment uh, that somebody just left. Uh, Noelle saying, she walked right into an ambush. Yes, and you can't do that. I, I Again, I don't agree with the Texas legislator, legislator Thompson. I'm on... Miss Mace's side, Congresswoman Nancy Mace's side. But again, you can't let people completely dismantle you on the stage like that. You have to go into, uh, just start talking, literally start talking about anything. You don't have to continue answering their questions. But apparently uh, Democrats aren't training their legislators to do that, uh, which is indicative of the things that they do all the time. So uh, let's, let's keep going. <laughs> um, do you know what percentage of Hispanics are registered to vote in Texas? No, I do not. 63%. Do you know what percentage of Hispanics voted in the last election? 
I think it was over 40 percent. 53 percent. Hispanics are, are, are not voting in as high a numbers as blacks and whites in Texas. Do you know uh, the percentage of Democrats that support voter ID? Would you repeat your question? Do you know the number or percentage of Democrats who support voter ID in this? So this one is hilarious. If you're, if you're not paying attention, look, if you haven't liked this video yet or shared this video yet, please do so because you like your friends have to see this. This is, this is the ideological problem with what's going on in our political climate right now. There's a huge disconnect with what people actually think and what your Democrat legislatures believe. So let me rewind that for a, like a quick quick second and so you get the full scope of the question and then check this out of democrats to support voter id would you repeat your question do you know the number or percentage of democrats who support voter id in this country i do not but i don't think it's a whole lot 72 percent <laughs> i do not know but i don't think it's a whole lot 70 percent of democrats support voter id you can't get 70 percent of people to agree on really anything i three 30 percent of people so three out of ten democrats don't agree that uh voter id should be a thing i would be willing to bet that i could get three out of ten democrats to disagree that nebraska is a state uh we'll continue do you know the number of black and brown and african americans in this country who support voter id no 75 percent do you know the number of hispanics that support voter id in this country no 81 percent do you know where the state of texas is ranked uh with black voter turnout in this country with black voters turnout mm -hmm. do you know where, where texas is ranked Oh, 40, about uh, 44 percent. The latest numbers that I read this morning was that Texas is ranked 10th. Do you know where Texas is ranked? <laughs> so then top 10 in the country. Do you know where Texas is ranked with women voters? Oh, way up in the 50s. In the bottom third of this country. So no. I would argue that we have a Texas has a more difficult problem with getting women out to vote than black and brown and African Americans. Thank you. And I yield back. <laughs> so Congresswoman Nancy Mace completely obliterated all of the reasoning that Texas legislatures have for just leaving the state. They didn't want to vote on the election or on the election legislation, so they just left the state. The problem is their reasoning wasn't good reasoning at all. Like Nancy Mace said, 70% of uh, black voters in Texas turn out to vote, which is a really high number, but uh, the Texas legislature there, uh, State Assemblywoman Thompson, said that, you know, uh, not that high. It's not that high at all. Uh, say, she said the same thing with Democrats voting uh, for, sorry, Democrats approving of voter ID. 70% of Democrats want voter ID. You wouldn't get that when you're watching your cable news or your lefty media. If, if you're watching the lefty media, you would come away thinking, yeah, nobody thinks the voter ID is a good idea. Only, only your conservative extremists think voter ID is a good idea. But no, not only do conservatives think voter ID is a good idea, 70% of Democrats think voter ID is a good idea. Yet, Texas legislatures didn't want to vote on that simple of a thing that has overwhelming support. Instead, they left the state and they've been there for like a month. They've been in DC for like a month now, which is insane. It's an insane premise to even consider. Um, 
<laughs> so I, I'm tempted to just continue playing this because this is such a great dismantling of uh, the problem that Democrats have when arguing against these very reasonable voting laws in Georgia. Uh, if you haven't already, we have a quality control episode over on the Daily Caller where we completely debunk all of this craziness. One of the biggest fun, this is kind of not related, so I'll remove this from the screen. One of the funniest arguments that people had against the thoroughly reasonable voting laws is that you can't even give voters a drink of water in line? No, no, you can't. You know why? Because that's electioneering. Every single state in the union has laws against electioneering while people are at the ballot box. In California, you can't set up yard signs or signs or wear any sort of candidate promoted or campaign promoted material. You can't wear it into the voting facility. You can't talk about it in line. You can't have a sign within 200 yards of the interest to the polling place. You know why? Because the second that is made legal, I'll be out there raffling off hot air balloon rides paid for by the candidate with the deepest pockets. And you say, well, that, there's no way that's going to happen. It's a slippery slope. It's one of those things where people are in line voting. You're going to have the, the, the first thing you're going to have is some union hack with an SEIU t-shirt handing out bottles of water to people in line. And people are going to be left with that impression of, well, I was thirsty and somebody from the union came and handed me out a, a, a bottle of water. So maybe I'll, I'll vote Democrat. The second you have that happen, you're going to have somebody in a MAGA hat and a Trump t-shirt out there handing out sodas, uh, which is, oh, I, I want a soda over a water. So maybe I'll vote, uh, vote their way. And then after that, you're going to have some dude in an AOC t-shirt show up and start handing out sandwiches to everyone in line. But, you know, sandwiches are a little bit more expensive. They're a little bit more of a limited resource when it comes to handing out free things in line. So it may be that uh, the sandwich guy is only handing out people, hand sandwiches to people who might agree with his opinion, might agree with how he wants to vote. Uh, and then, then you're going to get the Proud Boys showing up and saying, well, you better be handing out sandwiches to everybody. You're going to have a huge problem if you hand out anything to anyone at the polling place. But again, the way that Democrats and the liberal media framed it is you can't hand out food or water to anyone in line, even if they're thirsty. No. That's very illegal everywhere, and it should be. Like we said, a lot of these laws are completely reasonable. One of the other ones that we covered was that Texas Democrats or Texas um, Texas legislators wanted to ban 24-hour voting centers, which is totally reasonable. Who needs to go vote at 3 a.m.? And there would be an argument to be made that, you know, if you only had one day and there was no absentee ballot and you had to go, yeah, maybe there are people that worked a 12-hour shift and they wanted to go vote, and the only way they could do that was at 11 p.m. or midnight. That That's an understandable thing to say. Except there are, in Texas, under this new law, there are 17 days of voting available. So if you can't find the time in 17 days, that's on you. And you may even think, well, I, I work 17 days, 24 hours a day, which would, one, is not realistic, and two, insane. Uh, so that so you're arguing that voting polling stations should be open at 3 a.m. Okay, that's not a good argument. But even if it was, you can still vote absentee. 
Seems like a reasonable trade-off. Yeah, you shouldn't be able to, you, we shouldn't spend the resources, the security around the voting polling places. We shouldn't spend the resources to have voting places open 24 hours. But no, not having 24-hour voting is racist. It, the, last thing on this, if you remember back in March when Georgia was passing their thoroughly reasonable election laws, President Joe Biden came out and said, these are Jim Crow on steroids. I don't know if you know anything about Jim Crow, but Jim Crow was terrible. Uh, perpetrated by Southern Democrats, Jim Crow was violent. It had arbitrary poll taxes and poll tests to eliminate the ability for black people to vote. And if they did, somehow... in recent elections. I want to say over 50-some percent. So, uh, 65 percent. Yeah. Um, do you know what percentage of Hispanics are registered to vote in Texas? No, I do not. 63 percent. Do you know what percentage of Hispanics voted in the last election? I think it was over 40 percent. 53 percent. Hispanics are, are, are not voting in as high a numbers as blacks and whites in Texas. Do you know uh, the percentage of Democrats that support voter ID? Would you repeat your question? Do you know the number or percentage of Democrats who support voter ID in this country? I do not, but I don't think it's a whole lot. 72%. Okay. Do you know the number of black and brown and African Americans in this country who support voter ID? No. 75%. Do you know the number of Hispanics that support voter ID in this country? No. 81%. Do you know where the state of Texas is ranked uh, with black voter turnout in this country? With black voters turnout? Mm -hmm. Do you know where, where Texas is ranked? Oh, 40, about 44%. Uh, the latest numbers that I read this morning was that Texas is ranked 10th. Do you know where Texas is ranked? So then top 10 in the country. Do you know where Texas is ranked with women voters? Oh, way up in the 50s in the bottom third of this country. So I would argue that we have a, Texas has a more difficult problem with getting women out to vote than black and brown and African Americans. Thank you and I yield back.